bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. This is the Tuesday, February 1st, 2022 podcast. Our topic today is how to get started with using one of the most effective community development financial tools available. I'm talking, of course, about the new markets tax credit. If you have a track record of making loans or equity investments in distressed areas, this week's podcast is for you. Or if you're running or thinking of starting a business in a low-income community, then this week's podcast is also for you. The new markets tax credit is a federal incentive that encourages private investment in low-income communities. How does it work? In a nutshell, investors receive a tax credit against their federal income taxes for making equity investments in financial intermediaries called community development entities. The new markets tax credit equals 39% of the original investment and is claimed over seven years. Now this incentive was created in the year 2000 and did receive a five-year extension in December of 2020 with an annual allocation amount of $5 billion. Now the application for the most recent 18th round of new markets tax credit allocations was due a few weeks ago on January 13th. If you missed that application deadline, don't worry. There are additional allocation rounds authorized, as I noted earlier, so there's still time to get involved with the new markets tax credit as an allocatee or awardee, as well as borrower or an investee. Now, in fact, if you're thinking about applying for new markets for the next round though, now is the time to start preparing. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the new markets tax credit after listening to today's conversation, I encourage you to go to Novogratik's website at www.novaco.com and purchase the new markets tax credit handbook. You can also access a recording of the Novogratik NMTC 101 basics workshop online. I'll share links to those resources in today's show notes. Now let's get back to the conversation we're going to have today. We're going to discuss the two central participants in new markets tax credit financing. We're going to discuss the borrower or investee business, the focal point of the purpose behind this incentive. The borrower investee business in new market tax credit speak or NMTC speak is a qualified active low income community business or a quillet B for short. And the lender slash investor entity that's making capital available at below market rates, that in NMTC speak is a community development entity or CDE. So you basically have qualified businesses or quote bees, and you have CDEs or community development entities as lenders and investors. Now, not just any business can be a qualified active long-term community business. So we will discuss briefly which businesses may be eligible. Similarly, not every lender or investor in distressed communities is a good candidate to become a CD. One of Novogratik's areas of expertise is helping newcomers those that are thinking of being an investor lender or those being a borrower investee, help them navigate the new market tax credit rules, and identify to what extent this incentive works for them. Now we're very fortunate to have my partner, Rebecca Darling, join us for the podcast today. Rebecca has helped clients in the new market tax credit space for over 15 years. She'll be available to share her best tips and insights as to what it takes to succeed with the new market tax credit. Now, if you're ready, Let's get started. Rebecca, welcome back to Tax Credit Tuesday. Thanks for having me back. 
So I spoke a little bit during the introduction about your new market tester experience. If you could share a little bit more information uh, with our listeners about your areas of expertise uh, within the NMTC. Sure. So I help different CDE and Qualic B clients with annual audit and tax returns. I also help CDEs with various compliance requirements, helping to make sure uh, they're following all of those important requirements. I also help quite a few CDEs with the allocation application process. It's fairly detailed. And so I enjoy being able to kind of work through the weeds of that application and, and help CDEs be successful there. And do you also help qualified businesses identify whether or not they're qualified or potential borrowers to navigate that path? I do. I get a lot of phone calls from businesses where they've said, I've heard about new markets, but I don't know where to go from here. And so from that point, I'm really able to help them determine if new markets is a fit for them, walk them through a bit of the program and, and does this make sense? Are you initially appearing to be qualified and then be able to take you to the, the next step, but are you ready to maybe start talking to CDEs and, and looking at a financial forecast? Great. So when a potential business comes to you, a potential borrower, investee business, or a potential applicant for new market tester allocation authority, what are the, some of the reasons they come to you and think they may be interested? Sure. Well, I think the, the big word that comes to my mind is opportunity. So for a Qualic B, a business that's considering new markets, they've identified they have a financial need. They've got a gap in their financing. They have a project. They've heard about new markets. But now they're trying to determine, is new markets a fit for them? And that's really where we can have a conversation about making sure you can be as successful as possible. Because what's fantastic about new markets is the Qualic Bs are going to be able to receive uh, lower interest rates, below market financing from those CDEs. That means there's more cash flow for them to be able to grow their business and be successful. Additionally, which is probably a little bit beyond this conversation, but there's this new market subsidy that's available at the end of the credit period that may be able to reside within the project. Those are big dollars. That's a lot to a business. And so for them, they've heard about this great opportunity and now they wanna see if it makes sense for them. And then for CDEs, you know, organizations that are considering becoming a CDE, maybe they're already a CDFI and, and considering adding CDE status. This is again, another tool in their tool belt. For a CDE, they need to already have a track record of investing, lending. They need to have that already. But from that point, this is a whole nother opportunity for them. As you mentioned, Mike, the current annual allocation rounds are $5 billion with an average reward of $50 million. That's, that's a large amount and, and certainly something that gets CDEs excited to, to consider this opportunity. So thank you for that uh, overview. Now, many of the listeners are probably thinking what comes next or more specifically, you know, how they can be involved with helping low-income communities through using the new market tax credit. And as I laid out in the opening, you know, the answer to that question really depends on the role uh, participants going to play, you know, in the new market tax credit arena. 
And the areas we want to focus on in the podcast is, you know, the qualified businesses, as well as the potential borrowers being the qualified businesses, as well as the community development entities or CDEs and the role that they play. So basically those two are the central actors within new market tax credit finance. And as a reminder, as I said in the intro, CDEs are the entities that apply to the CD5 fund for allocation authority. And then if awarded, uh, these CDEs serve as this financial intermediary between investors that are investing in the CDE for some degree of cash return, as well as the tax credits, as well as the business, the business that are the intermediaries between the investor and the business that's getting the below market finance. That said, before an entity can even apply for allocation authority, they must first be certified uh, as a CDE. Step one is to become certified as a CDE. So maybe if you, Rebecca, could discuss the certification process for an entity to become certified as a CDE. If you could also say a bit about what a CDFI, which you referenced before, what a CDFI is. So basically, sure. what is a CDFI? And then talk a bit about how an entity goes about getting certified as a CDE. Sure. So for a CDE, for an entity to become a CDE, it's an online application and some organizations essentially automatically qualify to be CDEs, CDFIs being one. And so CDFIs are kind of under that same treasury umbrella and they're community development financial institutions. So that means they already have experience with a lot of financial background already. And so I see plenty of CDFIs saying, this makes sense for me to continue my work and expand my offerings by becoming a CDE. So for an organization that's just starting, what I like to do is just have some initial conversations to make sure that when you're starting, you're starting off on the right foot. So number one, you're going to want to hire New Markets Council because you're going to have to create your organizational documents. You're going to need an attorney for that. But where we can have our conversation is talking about what's your planned investment strategy? What's your service area? Because when you apply, you need to define what your service area is. And I think it's helpful to start that off with a service area that's really respective of you and your track record. I think it's also helpful to understand what is your track record? Just start thinking about that because that CDE application, like I said, you're uploading your organizational documents. It's not that long but it's helpful to be thinking ahead. And then the other component to be considering is the primary mission of a CDE is to be serving low-income communities, residents of low-income communities. And so as part of that, you are required to have an advisory and or governing board. So you need to be going ahead and identifying the individuals that will be serving on those boards because at least 20%, but oftentimes a much higher percentage is reflected of actual representatives of that low-income community. And so it's helpful to be going ahead and building your board before you're going through the process of applying and getting stuck there. So once you've formed your community development entity, your CDE, which, which as you know, in most situations, a separate entity is formed to serve as a community development entity uh, for application purposes and the rest, uh, even though, as you also noted, a CDFI, an existing community development financial institution or CDFI uh, can be certified as a CDE, in which case a new entity wouldn't be created at that point, but might be created later as you're using your allocation. 
but, but you have the entity now, and now you're the next step is to apply for new market pasture allocation authority. And that application process certainly is competitive. And when you look at the dollar amounts applied for versus the dollar amounts available, it's very much oversubscribed. However, when you do look at the number of awardees versus the number of applicants, it is nearly 50% that get an award. So it, it, from that measure, it, you know, there is a, a reasonable possibility of getting an award if you do it. With that being said, if I'm a new CDE thinking of applying for the first time, what advice do you have for me? Well, the first thing that I would say is remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. To be successful, you really need to think through the application in its entirety. Recognize that probably you are not the one that's going to be able to answer every single question. You're going to have to reach out internally to a lot of different folks to gather information. And so what I like to do is start our conversations kind of big picture. Let's talk about what you want to achieve. Let's talk about some of your track record. What's your investment strategy? And when I say investment strategy, I'm talking about what type of financial tools are you planning on using? What are those products? What types of businesses, what types of qualities will you be planning on working with? And there's a whole spectrum. And so I think it's important to really take that entire look at that allocation application, recognize that there are a lot of questions and tables there, and then we can dig into the details of walking through because it really does take months of even a successful applicant, months of talking, planning, and responding to make sure you're successful. And so as you pointed out, Mike, the applications were just recently submitted for the 18th round. And so if you didn't apply, but you're thinking that this is something that you do want to consider for the 2020 round, I would definitely recommend you go ahead and reach out to us because we can start that conversation, let you start gathering some of those longer lead items. Would you say that the two sort of biggest aspects of the application in terms of time and effort and focus is aggregating your track record, you know, as a lender or investor, particularly with respect to lending and investing in disadvantaged communities as maybe one part with the other part being developing your business strategy, as in what types of below market uh, rate financing do you want to make available for what types of businesses in which uh, areas, which low income communities? Yes, absolutely. Those two are very key criteria to get started with because the application as a whole has many components, but the first two sections, the business strategy section and the community outcomes section, those two are reviewed in the first phase of the application. So you need to score high enough in those two sections to even be able to move forward. And so that's where you're going to want to spend a lot of your time. And so to your point, that's where you're talking about track record and what have you done historically. And if you're new to new markets, you haven't maybe considered quantifying some of the information in the way that new markets is asking you to. And so that can take some time to gather data, to think about what have you deployed in low-income communities, in non-metro areas, and get that whole picture. But then also 
especially as a new CDE, something that we talk about a lot is called pipeline. What businesses are you going to include in your application that would be representative of the types of businesses that you would finance with an allocation award? And you have to show something that represents, examples that represent, and you may actually fund those projects with an, with an award, you may not, and that's okay, but they need to be representative. And if you're new to this space, you may not have a significant enough pipeline yet. And so that's where I think some time needs to come in to make sure you really build that pipeline, but then also make sure you're getting the details for that, com that community outcomes section. So you can define all the outcomes that will come from your allocation award. So do you like your point of this being a marathon, not a sprint? And that applies <laughs> to a lot of other aspects of life, but you know, along that vein, along that sort of marathon vein, if I'm a CDE, you know, with a track record of investing and lending in distressed communities, I have applied in the past, but I haven't been successful. Should I give up or do you have other recommendations? I would say, talk to me before you give up hope. Let me tell you if we're completely off base or not. And what I would say is oftentimes I'll get a phone call from somebody that's applied. They were unsuccessful and they're a bit frustrated. They don't really know where to go from here and they need some help. And so the first thing I like to do is get the debriefing letter. So the CDFI fund, after awards are announced for any applicant that's not successful, they get a letter. And it kind of outlines here are the characteristics of a highly qualified application. And here's your score range for those two important sections that we talked about, business strategy and community outcomes. And it also tells you kind of what bucket you were grouped into for the scores. And you know, we talked about how competitive the allocation application process is, and that's really true when you see how many applicants were in those very highly scored categories. And so what I want to see is right off the bat, how did you score in business strategy and community outcomes? Are we talking about fractions of a point and we're, I'm just going to nitpick you and, and beef up that application? Or are we talking about perhaps really digging into a particular section or both sections and making substantial changes. But the next step that I do is I like to review the application because typically when I review the application, I get to a similar score that the CDFI fund identified as well. And as I'm reviewing, I can kind of identify those components where perhaps the response wasn't updated to the new question. Perhaps there was some components that that aren't aligning with the business strategy that was outlined. And so I would say, don't give complete hope up. Yes, you've got about a 50-50 shot, but you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So let's talk about it and let me try to help you. Actually, when you make that shot, let's let it be successful. And I think that's where we can really come in and work together and, and help you get there. So thank you for that, Rebecca. We spent the first part of this podcast talking about the investor lender as a track record of investing or lending in low-income communities to uh, uh, qualified businesses. Now let's uh, turn to the businesses themselves, because ultimately this whole incentive is about growing and creating qualified businesses in low-income communities across the country. So maybe you could describe which types of businesses 
uh, are the types of businesses that are eligible for the below market rate financing that the new market tax credits make possible. Yeah, I think talking about this is one of my favorite things that we do because there's so many different opportunities. It's almost easier to talk about the things you can't do than the things you can't. So let me go through a couple of the things you can't do, and then I'll give some examples of Qualic B. So you can kind of see both. So for business, you can have traditional real estate deals. You could have perhaps a business that's already operating that just needs working capital. Maybe they need to purchase equipment. There's a whole host of different uses. Now, there's a handful, as we mentioned, of kind of business types that are ineligible. Uh, We're talking about residential rental real estate. There's already another incentive out there for that. But then there's these things called quote unquote sin businesses, which I think is the best thing whenever we talk in a workshop, because people just turn and be like, oh, well, this conversation got more interesting. Well, it's because... (laughs) There's there's specific businesses listed in the code that are ineligible. And we're talking about things like golf courses, liquor stores, and hot tub facilities, which I've yet to ever see, and massage parlors, things like this. And if you just think about what's the whole reason behind new markets, right? It's it's bringing investment to low-income communities. It's creating these outcomes that we're talking about. And when you look at a golf course, it's, it's a harder argument of how we're benefiting a low-income community. So let's talk about how we do that. Well, we see a lot of community facility type projects. So maybe it's healthcare related, education related, maybe grocery stores, manufacturing facilities. There's an entire spectrum. I've seen so many different types of opportunities. And I think that's what gets everybody excited, keeps us excited about new markets. You know, as as you mentioned, I've worked in new markets for over 15 years. And this is why I love it is because you get to see that hospital expansion that was made possible by new markets. That boys and girls club that you know is serving so many children that need that after school assistance or the sports. And so there's just so many great opportunities. And so if you are a business, unless I specifically mentioned you, call us and we can walk through it and make sure that you're fitting within the parameters. But that's what great is great about new markets. I did want to emphasize, as you pointed out in explaining what isn't eligible, residential rental is not eligible in, in large measure because there is the low domestic tax credit that encourages residential rental and there's only so much subsidy to go around. So this is basically a complement to the law investing tax credit. So it's businesses that aren't residential rental. And as you pointed out, there's also the various businesses that get uh, carved out as not at areas that Congress wants to subsidize. Mm-hmm. They, similar to their, their tax and bond rules that also don't allow tax and bonds to be used for these types of businesses. And as you mentioned, you know, massage parlors, liquor stores, and golf courses and the like, which those do create interesting questions around like a grocery store that also sells liquor or a hotel that also has a spa, but we don't go into those structuring issues. Those are the areas where you realize how important it is to have experienced professionals kind of assisting you so you can navigate some unintended consequences uh, by the fact that there are these businesses that uh, aren't eligible. 
But if I am a listener to this podcast right now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have this business that I'm either thinking of expanding or start or a real estate development in a distressed area. And I have this need, this gap, this financing gap that I need to move forward with either my expansion or to start the business or start on the process of starting the business. Who, you know, and I'm not sure if I'm in a loan community or not, and I'm not sure if my business itself would be attractive uh, to a CDE because CDEs want to make their subsidy, their new market tax allocation go as far as possible and have the greatest good. So if I'm one of these businesses and I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I'm in a low income community and I'm not sure if I would be considered attractive if I am uh, to be worthy of receiving this benefit, you know, what should I do? Sure. So I get phone calls from businesses all the time where, you know, they just say, listen, I've heard about new markets. I think this might work, but I don't really know where to go from here. Right. And so there's really four main things that I like to talk about. The first one is I just want to start with a description of what your project looks like, right? You know, what type of business is it? Because we just kind of go back to what we just talked about, make sure it's not something that's already covered elsewhere or ineligible. The next part I like to talk about is the location. Have you already identified your location or are you considering different locations? Um, if you visit our website, you'll see a mapping tool and it's very user-friendly, especially for someone that is not the most technology savvy person, but you go right on there, you can type in an address, you can type in a city, there's a whole host of different categories you can type in, but there are new market tax credit eligible census tracts. So you need to determine, are you in an eligible census tract? But then further, we need to take it one step beyond because there are what's determined to be severely distressed census tracts. And CDEs make a commitment in their application. Now it's 85%, used to be 75% of their allocation are gonna go to these severe census tracts. Well, what that means is a lot of times CDs are deploying all their allocation to these areas. So it's helpful for you to understand where you are. We can talk about the components of your application, which categories you meet. The next step is I want to understand what your total project costs are. What financing have you already identified? New markets is a gap filler. Your new markets financing is not going to cover all of the costs of your project. And so you need to identify. 60 to 70 percent of your financing before you start pursuing new markets so it's important to make sure that financing work with new markets but also to make sure you've got that identified and at that point most potential qualified bees have kind of thought about those things to a certain degree what they haven't thought about is the community outcome component because that is what's so key to the CDEs. When they're applying, the return on the investment for new markets is all of the community outcomes that are achieved. So jobs, goods and services to low-income communities, environmental outcomes. There's a list in the application, which I would refer, refer Qualic Beast to. If you just go to question 26 of the application, which you can find on our website, it lists those outcomes. That's what's really important for you to read, understand, and then be able to quantify for your business, what will you be able to achieve? Because that's really one of the first things a CDE is going to be interested in. What community outcomes are you going to achieve? 
Right. I like to think of that as sort of the brag sheet. Yes. <laughs> Which is basically, you know, here's your proposed business or your business expansion. And within the enumerated outcomes within the new architecture application process, how is your business providing jobs? How are they providing quality jobs? And, and to go, as you know, there's a host of various outcomes and putting that together as a way to approach a CDE and say, you know, we're worthy of receiving this below market financing. But in terms of timing with a CDE, do you, you know, if I'm got if I'm looking at a development, I'm going to break ground it a year from now and I'm putting my financing together, should I be approaching existing CDEs with existing awards now and say, I want to you know, be in line to get an award in a year? Or do I, do I go to them and say, you know, I'm not quite ready yet for your existing allocation, but maybe it could be part of your next application or something in between you. What's your yeah. advice to me as a business? Well, you know, we talked about the allocation application process. That's very competitive, but it's also very competitive for businesses. There's a lot more qualified businesses out there than there is allocation. So what you can be doing to speak the lingo, be communicating with CDEs is key. But what I would say is it's important to kind of go through those components that I talked about before. Maybe get yourself a one or two page document that really speaks to what your project is. Because as accountants, yes, I really like the math. I want to understand how it all works. But what people are going to walk away from with your business is the heart. They're going to read about it, hear about all the outcomes that you're going to create, what you're going to be able to do for this community. And they're going to walk away and say, I can't not do this project. And that's what you want to have yourself prepared to be able to do. Now, what I will also say is new markets is an incentive where you don't make one best friend. You are a social butterfly. You need to talk to as many CDEs as you can, let them know about your business and so forth, because you don't know who's getting allocation and who isn't. And so you want to get yourself set for success. So I do recommend First thing, get yourself organized, but then you can just start talking to CDEs and letting them know about your business, but being realistic about the timing. Don't say, oh yeah, I can, I can, I'm shovel ready. When you know you're not shovel ready, that's okay because in a CDE's mind, they're thinking this would be perfect for my next application. Let's make sure we're continuing to stay in touch. I'm really excited. Don't be discouraged if you miss that opportunity because continue those conversations. As we talked about, CDEs include projects within their pipeline on their application that are representative of what they want to achieve. But not every single one of those examples are going to come to fruition. Sometimes they're financed by another CDE, something falls apart, they don't move forward. So there are plenty of opportunities for you to be able to just kind of fill in that space. And so I always just suggest that Qualicbees take advantage of those opportunities to communicate with CDEs, build those relationships so that when awards do come out, they know who you are and you've had good communication and you're ready to go. And I would just uh, layer into that that you know, this process, as our listeners can tell, it's competitive in terms of the applicants to get the allocation issue with authority. Uh, and it's also competitive for businesses uh, to attract that incentive uh, from the uh, awardees. And both of those processes really lead 
to a great amount of uh, community outcomes and community benefit from the federal subsidy. So it's really a competitive process that leads to ever greater outcomes. You mentioned the 75% test going up to 85%. You know, th there's various requirements within the application where you're competing with others as to who can do the greatest good. However, that gets defined in a variety of ways with the existing allocation authority. So it really helps to helps in terms of that payback, if you will, that the federal government gets on the subsidy. The, to conclude, maybe I, you've given lots of good uh, words of wisdom along the way here to both uh, potential applicants for New Market Tax Rate Issues Authority, as well as to the businesses themselves or future businesses in low-income communities. Any other words of wisdom? I know you have a lot of other words of wisdom, but <laughs> one or two others that you can share and then the rest, potential clients can reach out to you. Sure. You know, I would say I hope that folks walk away from our conversation not feeling discouraged. That, wow, this is competitive on both sides. How am I ever going to get there? But instead, encouraged by all of the amazing things that are accomplished with new markets. That's what I'm excited about. That's why I've worked on new markets for as long as I have, and I'm excited about it. And so I would say be encouraged by the opportunities and surround yourself with those that are familiar with new markets that can really help you along the way to be successful. Uh, good advice. And I would also emphasize to the listeners that uh, Rebecca did mention the $5 billion in annual awards. And that does translate into $5 billion roughly in annual subsidized financing. So that's the dollar amounts that we're looking at in terms of financing available every year. So there is a large amount of financing that is uh, available every year. So I would encourage you to not be discouraged as well. <laughs> so thank you, Rebecca. Now I'm sure that many of our listeners are going to want to get in contact with you, either thinking of maybe applying in the next round and realizing that they should start now to, to prepare for that, as well as uh, potential businesses that want to learn more about how to qualify, if they're qualified, uh, and if they are, you know, to what degree can they put the best foot forward uh, to attract the below market financing? So with that as a background, maybe you could spell out your emails and for our listeners, I'll also include your contact information, today's show notes. Sure. So my email is Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A dot darling, D-A-R-L-I-N-G at Novoco, N-O-V-O-C-O.com. Great. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And please stick around for our off-mic segment of the podcast, where I get to ask you some uh, questions and get your words of advice on topics that are directly tied to tax credits, but certainly could probably be put at least some of them to help with tax credits. And then to our listeners, I want to uh, encourage you to tune into next week's episode of Tax Credit Tuesday. As a follow-on to this New Market Tax Credit Basics podcast, next week, my partner, Greg Clements, will be a guest to discuss the historic tax credit. Now, the historic tax credit is a federal incentive designed to help close the financing gap faced by many renovations of historic property. And it actually oftentimes is used in tandem with the New Market Tax Credit, but we won't go to that next week. <laughs> uh, Greg will join me on the podcast and provide an overview for real estate developers and financiers as to how to determine whether or not a given renovation project is eligible for the historic tax credit or could be made eligible for the historic tax credit. 
And if so, how you can use that credit to raise investor equity to close financing gaps. Then you can be sure that you're notified of that episode and each week's episode by following or subscribing to the Task Red Tuesday podcast. Go to www.novaco.com slash podcast to subscribe to and to stream the show on our website. You can also follow or subscribe to Task Red Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Okay, Rebecca, now we're on the off mic section. And thank you, thank you again for spending a little bit more time so I can get some off topic advice and words of wisdom uh, for our listeners from you. Of course. So it's still early in 2022. So I thought I'd ask you, you know, your perspective with respect to setting and managing, monitoring pursuit of goals. Sure. So I think when I look at goals, I look at a couple of things. Number one, I have to write it down. If I don't write it down, it doesn't happen. But I think it's helpful to have that kind of reminder of what you're working towards, having it in front of you, especially for those really big goals, you know, the the annual goals. But the other thing that I do that I think is really helpful is when possible, I like to break down my big goals into smaller steps because then you're achieving things throughout the process and you have kind of those little wins to keep you going and to be excited about. And so those are the some of the things I do. But I think the other thing that I try to remind myself about is showing myself and others grace. You know, it's the end of January. If you've got a new goal and you're hitting February, it's okay to start something. That's okay. If you've come up with something new or you need to adjust a goal, that's okay. I think the focus should always be on, I'm trying to do better. Whether it's personally or professionally, I'm always just striving to do better and make sure I'm making a difference. And so you got to show yourself a little grace sometimes and then get <laughs> back on the wagon and, and keep going. So you would say, write it down. You would say, break it into intermediate goals yeah, and uh, be forgiving. When you get tossed off the horse, just get back on the horse. Don't have to <laughs> give up. Just get right back on. Uh, I like it. So another question I like to ask podcast guests is if there's a habit that you would suggest listeners add to daily routines to, you know, enhance productivity. Well, I'm a type A personality, which is pretty common for accountants. So what I like to do is I, I like to organize my day. I, I have kind of a to-do list that I want to accomplish. And so then, you know, kind of to what we just talked about, then I have my goals of what I want to accomplish and I'm staying on track. But the other thing that I would suggest listeners consider is taking a break, taking a scheduled break. And maybe that means you're walking around outside. You're taking a step away to eat lunch, whatever it is, you're taking a moment because for me, it helps to get outside and walk around the neighborhood, walk around the building. Because normally, you know, I start work early in the day and after a few hours, just getting outside some fresh air, I'm kind of thinking through whatever I'm stuck on or coming up with an idea. And when I come back, it's only been 15, 30 minutes, but I'm refreshed. I'm focused and I'm ready to start again. So that would be something that, you know, individuals on my team have suggested I've done as well. And I think it's really helpful. Now that's, I agree with you. That's uh, pretty smart. It's sort of like, uh, you know, starting out by getting enough sleep. You know, if you're cutting back on sleep, sure, you might have more 
awake hours in the day, but your productivity during those awake hours. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I think uh, it's important. It yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that you take some time after you finish working to just kind of decompress so that you can sleep successfully. Because for me, I've got to get that seven to eight hours of sleep in order to, to wake up and, and attack the day. So for us accountants, tax season is obviously an especially busy time of the year. And I know you're already in the heart of busy season and you did just talk about taking some time uh, at the end of the day. So do you have a favorite tip in terms of recharging after a long day or? I do. And I feel like every time we talk, I am not helping my cool accountant persona at all. <laughs> but, you know, I, this is my 18th tax season. And so I've learned ways uh, to rest and recuperate. And what I learned how to do was knit. And so I think it was maybe my second busy season. My aunt was visiting from California and she taught me. And so that is something that I do where I can kind of turn my brain off a little bit and I have something tangible in front of me that I've created. And so I've created a lot of blankets, a lot of scarves and hats, baby blankets is what I'm working on now. But one thing that I've done that I've really liked is um, there's an organization called Operation Gratitude, which helps our um, military. And so one of the things they ask for are knit hats and scarves. And so I always kind of have a pile where I'll work on those and get a pile and then ship those off. And so that's something that I really like. I feel like you've got something tangible to walk away from. And I've been able to kind of rest, stop thinking about audits and tax returns or applications for a little while. And so, yeah, that's my cool accountant thing that I like to do. <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. Somebody tells me you probably think a little bit about all those other tasks while you're doing it. I might be thinking about me like, you know what we could do to that community outcome section? <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. No, but I also appreciate the, how it's nice to have something that's tangible, a tangible product with a beginning, middle, and an end. And you see the, the product of your work after a certain period of time. So I really appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking about all things new market tax credits. And also thanks for your words of wisdom uh, in the productivity goal and recharging areas. Uh, and for our listeners, please do reach out to Rebecca if you have uh, questions regarding new market tax credits, both to apply for them as well if you're a potential uh, investor lender, as well as to reach out to CDEs if you're a prospective business. And with that, I thank you all for joining me and we'll chat again next week. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratic and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratic & Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.